Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres-Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice, and today's episode is going to be about how to make a career pivot and reinvent yourself. We're going to be talking to Fabi Paolini, brand strategist and online business coach that helps entrepreneurs generate massive breakthroughs in their businesses through the power of intentional and disruptive brand positioning. These same principles allowed her to create a radical transformation in her business and go from a struggling entrepreneur to a thriving business owner with multiple six-figure annual income in a matter of 18 months. She's helped over 200 entrepreneurs build premium brands that attract with marketing strategies that convert. I can't wait to get into this episode with Fabi, but before we do that, I just want to remind you, the Side Hustle Summit 2 is happening October 26th to the 30th. If you were lucky enough to attend our free Side Hustle Summit back in April, you'll know that it was five days jam-packed with massive amounts of information from Latina entrepreneurs that are helping you take your side hustle to the next level. And we're going to do it all over again. So we're bringing you the sequel to the Side Hustle Summit, October 26th to the 30th. Tickets are available now. If you want to find out more, head over to our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com. Now let's dive into today's episode. Fabi, welcome to the podcast. It's so nice to have you here. 
Thank you. Super excited to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. So I love your story. I feel like your story is just the classic immigrant story that totally I love. I'm just obsessed with these stories. You know, as someone who's Puerto Rican, I don't deal, and I'm very lucky that I don't deal with the immigration system in this country yeah. in a way that most other Latinos do. And so whenever I find somebody who has just, I think it takes an incredible amount of bravery to just even come here um, and start something new. I just, I'm in awe of anybody who does that. And you are, we're going to talk all about your personal story and mm -hmm. what that looked like for you. Um, but I just want to get started first off with you introducing yourself to the audience. Yeah, well, I'm Fabi Paolini. I'm originally from Venezuela. Um, I'm a brand strategy and online business coach, helping entrepreneurs position themselves as authorities online and building brands that attract and captivating their audience with marketing strategies. I'm a mom of two little girls. Hopefully they won't walk in. They might. <laughs> it might happen, but I lock the door. And uh, my husband is a singer. So... Yeah, that's kind of the short, very yes. summed up story of who I am. <laughs> and we're going to dive into all of that. So I love talking to people who work in the brand strategy and business coaching space because there's a lot of people that are actually interested in creating their own brands mm -hmm. and monetizing their skills. So I'm super excited to dive into that topic with you today. Love it. Perfect. I can talk yes. for hours about it. So <laughs> I'm excited. Awesome. Okay. So I love starting off the conversation with asking this question to all of my guests, because I feel like we, especially Latinos, we have a very unique relationship with money. It can be very negative or positive and just all over the spectrum. So I'm curious what your relationship was like with money growing up. Well, I had a pretty healthy relationship with money in general. Um, my, my dad used to work in an oil company. So we were, you know, always good with money, but still with the typical money doesn't go on trees, uh, little things that people, you know, that, that parents say when we're growing up, or at least my parents did. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we would, we would travel and everything, but it wasn't like you can have whatever you want and buy whatever you want. So it was, it was a healthy relationship. I feel like it was overall a healthy relationship that didn't become so healthy as I, became an entrepreneur, which is strange, I think, because looking back, it it doesn't seem logical that you would kind of, that relationship would change if it was good growing up, but it did a little bit. And I'll explain why um, later. But yes, in general, I, I feel like I had a pretty healthy relationship with money. There was no lack. There wasn't any excessive abundance, but we traveled and we went to restaurants. So it was, you know, it was pretty good. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so for anybody that doesn't know about the history of Venezuela, the oil industry was like the major export of Venezuela and a big reason why the country had so much wealth at some point, at one point. Exactly. Right? So the fact that your dad was in that industry, it makes sense that you had that level of stability because that's basically what was fueling the economy in the country. Exactly. Well, and, and, and something interesting is that while, um, You know, my, my dad worked in an oil industry, but not actually the Venezuelan one. A lot of companies uh -huh. from like multinational companies come hire people in Venezuela because of the history. So he worked for a big multinational company and we moved around everywhere. I was actually born in Brazil and I've lived in Brazil, in Spain, in the U.S., in India, um, in Venezuela, obviously. So we moved around the whole world every two years until 
basically I reached the final years of high school and then I came to study at Miami in the University of Miami and then I went back. So I moved around a lot. <laughs> mm, that's very interesting. I, my husband actually has a cousin whose father worked for Exxon in Colombia and they have the exact same story. They lived all over the place until, uh, you know, he, he retired finally. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So yeah, that's awesome. So I want us uh, to talk more about your career. What actually led you to leave Venezuela, come to the U.S., and how did you get to where you are today? So it's an interesting story. I, I, I went to the University of Miami. I studied advertising and a graphic design. I did like a double major, and then I did a minor in, um, what was it? A marketing. I was like, what was my marketing? <laughs> yeah, marketing. And then so I, but after I graduated I have, my husband and I have been together since high school. So high school sweethearts. And he lived in Venezuela and I lived here in Miami. So after I graduated, I went back home or back to Venezuela. And I started working in advertising. And my husband, like I said before, is a singer. He's a musician. And um, as he was building more success in his career, I started working a lot for him and his business. Um, and a lot of musicians and a lot of artists at first. So that led me to eventually quit working in advertising because I was like, this doesn't make sense anymore. I'm making more money and have more freedom in my, as, as a freelancer. So I literally started working as a freelance graphic designer, uh, you know, working at the beginning mostly for musicians, for a lot of artists or, you know, TV personalities or whatever, building their brands, their websites kind of that part. And, you know, over time, I, I worked with more and more different types of businesses, but this was my focus. At some point, I did an MBA in Venezuela, but it was mostly for me. I wasn't because I wanted a job, but because I wanted to learn business even better. Mm -hmm. So uh, fast forward 2015, um, my husband had, was doing a lot of things um, in his career here in Miami and I was pregnant with my first daughter. So we were like, okay, let's go to Miami and you can do your thing here. And I'll have the baby in the U.S. because we want her to be American. Um, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. So I this is kind of crazy, Janice, because literally I came with the intention of giving birth and coming back home, going back to Venezuela. So uh -huh. that means that in Venezuela, I have an apartment with a baby nursery that has never been used. Wow. Literally, a closet full of clothes. I left as if I was coming back because I was going to go back. But I gave birth to, to my baby in September. And then, you know, it was like, well, but December is coming around and we don't, we wanted to wait until she was, until she was at least two months old because we wanted her to have her shots or whatever. So anyways, we were like, well, let's just stay a few months more. And then it kept on moving. And then as the situation in Venezuela got worse and worse, we were like, okay, we need to stay. So, <laughs> so my whole apartment, it's still funny to me to think that there's a crib that has never been touched back oh then. That's pretty crazy. So anyways, so we were here and I was like, okay, I need to start getting clients and I need to start doing things because I, I, my business was 100% referral based in Venezuela. Mm. Plus because there's currency control, it was, it was all in Bolivar, it's not in dollars. So obviously I needed to get clients here because I couldn't survive off of the Venezuelan coin in the U.S., and my husband, who had been very successful and was building a very successful career as a singer, as the country went down, especially like 2017, um, his 
you know, he he had a lot of presentations and shows and that's where, where, where we made most of our income. Obviously, that went down as the crisis in Venezuela got worse. So it more and more started depending on, okay, what can we do here or what could I do? So I started looking at, I need to get clients. I need to get clients. I need to make money. I need to figure out. I'm going all into my story. Is this okay? Yeah, of course. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I literally, what happened was at the time I was charging like $500 for building a website. And back then it was mostly literally just doing branding and web, like brand identity and web design. That was it. Mm -hmm. So I did the math and I was like, okay, we need like about $5,000 to make, like to live in the US per month and 10 clients per month at $500. That just seems like a lot of clients and a lot of work. So I'm just going to raise my prices to 5000 And then that way, all I have to do is get one client. Like, mm-hmm. that was literally my reasoning. So I started researching, obviously, because I knew, okay, I can't just stick a new price to it. I need to do more work and figure out how I can become better at this and how I can give more value to my clients. And that started shifting. And as I started learning and getting into digital marketing and doing all these things, uh, I started teaching my clients. The more that I learned about online business, I started incorporating that. And the design piece eventually was kind of like, I mean, I still do it for my one-on-one clients, but that's not the main thing. So fast forward four years, I went from knowing nothing about digital marketing to building a business where we were generating a little bit over $500,000 a year. I've been featured in Forbes talking about digital marketing. I mean, it's super crazy how fast that went in just four years. So that's kind of like the sum of it. (laughs) That is fantastic. Oh my gosh. And so the, the root of this whole situation is you basically being left with nothing and having to start over from scratch after you decided that you can't go back to Venezuela. Right. It was like, okay, uh, we're here. Let me figure out a way to get clients. Mm. And and I'm super intent and super determined. So I spent the first year, I did maybe like 15 courses, programs, coaching, like whatever. I, I, I invested a lot of money, uh, but I'm an, an excessive action taker. So anything that somebody would tell me to do, I would be like, okay, I went all in. So that led me to get results pretty quickly too um, and figure out the things that actually worked and the ones that didn't. But yes, it was literally, I need to make an income. And I need to figure it out. So, And now my husband works for me or, or it's our company, right? So now he's working. It started with me working in his part of the business and now he's working in mine. So it's pretty interesting. <laughs> wow. And so I want to dive into that a little bit because that's got to be kind of a shift in the dynamic of your relationship, right? And sometimes, I don't know, some guys don't feel comfortable with their the woman becoming the breadwinner of the family. So what was that like for you guys? Well, it's interesting because my husband and I, like I said before, have been together forever. So we have a very strong relationship. Mm-hmm. And what happened is when I, when I used to work for him and I still work for him and his things, it never felt to me like I'm working for him. It felt like it was our business, right? Mm-hmm. And he kind of feels the same way with mine. So it never, it has never been really an issue. Um, it's more of me being nervous, like I hope he feels okay through it, but it really is, we're a team. We work together as a team. He helps me a lot with our girls. Now we have two little girls. So he, he 
takes care of the work girls and he's also working for me and, you know, letting me have my space and everything. But I think that if anything, our relationship has gotten stronger because of it. Um, you know, but I, I, I know that it's, it's strange on it's, I think that it's more strange on the outside than internally. So what I mean yeah. is for us, this is very normal. We're a team. We see it as a team. Like it's, it's our business, but from the outside, I feel like people might be especially more traditional, you know, um, people looking in like, wait a minute, this, she's the one making the money and he, what is, so it's kind of weird on the outside. You know what I mean? <laughs> I totally get it. And you know, the thing is that a lot of Latinas are actually getting higher levels of education at this point, And they're increasingly becoming their breadwinners or the primary breadwinners of their families. So there's literally a cultural shift happening with this generation and you're right like older generations are just like very stuck in their traditional ways and they're like oh but how can you be okay with your husband making less money than you and it's like we're a partnership like if you're making money i'm making money i don't care where it's coming from as long as it's being used to get us to where we want to be yeah and for us it really is just perfect because i absolutely love what i do obviously there's moments of stress and yep. moments where I have anxiety or overwhelm or whatever, there's a lot of pressure when most of the income or pretty much all of the income is coming from me. Mm-hmm. Um, or well, not all of it, but anyways. But it just works perfectly for us because I get to work in my business. He supports me with everything like in the house, like anything related with our girls. He also works in my business and he also has time to work on his music career and all the things that he does. So it's, it's perfect for us. It really, it just, it's a perfect balance for our family. And, and like, I wouldn't change it at all. So even if he could be like, okay, let me, and we've, and we discuss it at some point, like if he were to go get a job and I'm like, I just, I would rather have you here supporting Mm -hmm. and, and, and being with the girls or whatever than, than you going out and getting a job. So this is what works best for us. That's great. And I think that is one of the key things that is uh, a key factor in having a successful business is really having a strong partnership at home and a support system. So that's 100%. I mean, I, I, I always say like, you know, I say that my husband is my best coach. My, he's not a coach. He didn't study coaching or anything like that, but he knows whenever I'm having mindset issues which is often because I'm human, <laughs> um, you know, he knows exactly what to say to kind of shake me up and get me going and motivate me and take care of me. And he brings me water and he's like on top of everything and making sure that I'm feeling good and that everything is great. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. like, that's why I'm like, please don't ever leave my home. <laughs> that's fantastic. So yeah, but having that support is crucial because again, I have two girls one of them is in school, so it's not that bad. Uh, she's, well, the one that's almost turning five. But we have an 18-month-old who is a menace to the household. <laughs> and, yeah, all of the tremenduras that the older one didn't do, she's doing. Like, literally last week, we left her alone five minutes, and she took a marker. Fortunately, it wasn't a Sharpie. And all of my walls, my <laughs> office, the de- I can't even tell you. It was insane. My bathroom, it was just crazy. The whole oh house with a marker. It all came off, thank God. But she <laughs> to look at her all day long. So, yeah. Those are the challenges of entrepreneurship and motherhood right there. Exactly, for sure. <laughs> so when you're in a situation where all of a sudden, you know, your circumstances have changed, that can lead to a lot of, like, 
throwing everything at the wall and trying to figure out what sticks. Mm -hmm. So was the process for, for you like that with your business when you were first starting? Yes. So very much so. And, and like I mentioned, I did like 15 courses and programs in the beginning because I was trying to figure it out fast. I had savings and that kind of helped me. And I did get into debt in the beginning, which I know we're all against debt, but <laughs> it definitely helped me at the moment. It's what I needed um, to be able to move forward. So anyways, uh, I tried a lot of different things and nothing worked. And then what I what ended up happening is that I kind of took a step back and I said, okay, I had a successful business in Venezuela. Granted, it was all referral based, but it still was successful. And, and I had done an MBA and had all this knowledge. And I felt like what I was learning wasn't working. And what I realized is that most of the programs and coaches out there are all about teaching you marketing, which is great. And it's awesome and it's necessary, but there's a missing ingredient that is fundamental for your marketing strategy to work. And what that is, is getting a lot of clarity on what your brand foundation is. So understanding your message as a brand, what makes you different? What I call it is um, uncovering your secret sauce and turning it into salsa, right? Mm. So it's literally like, how can I take the things that make me different and leverage those things to be able to captivate the right people? Because if I'm doing the same marketing strategy everybody is doing, and I'm saying the same thing that everybody is doing, I'm going to get lost in the crowd. And people tend to think there's an oversaturation, there's too many people, there's too many coaches, there's too many this and too many that. And I don't think that's true because I always say like, this isn't 1920, this is 2020. Your audience is 7 billion people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like all over the world. It's a world of globalization. So there's, it's, the problem isn't oversaturation. The problem is that you don't know how to stand out. So there's always an audience, but you need to be able to discover how to communicate in a way that connects with them. So if you're only focusing on marketing and you're not really thinking about who am I, what do I stand for and what about me is different and why do I want people to choose me, then you're just going to get lost. So what happened with me is I was doing all these things and nothing was working. And, and there was just a moment where I was like, you know what, I'm tired of sounding like everybody else and I just need to be Fabi. So the more and I would, I would exaggerate my personality almost like it was like, okay, let me, let me just be more Latina. Let me just bring up. And my audience is all American. Most of my clients are all over the U S. Um, and you know, I would be like, you know what, let me just be me. And I even have a, one of my ads right now, for example, is a TikTok video of me dancing salsa and literally using the, you know, uncover your secret sauce and turn it into salsa. And the more that I brought that in, the more people would resonate and be like, oh my God, I love your energy and I love, I love your style or whatever. So it was just really interesting how that shifted using the same marketing strategies that weren't working. Suddenly everything started connecting because people were connecting to me. So mm. that's kind of where I, I realized. And part of the reason for this is that the world has shifted into what's being called an identity economy, where before People used to purchase, or, or let me put it this way, like before it used to be about like, okay, who's the most professional or the most educated? And because access to education wasn't as easy as it is today, right? If you had an MBA, automatically you were the best, right? You were the mm -hmm. one that, okay, or, or a PhD or whatever. Today, where, every, where it's so much easier to get access to education, people don't necessarily make decisions on how prepared you are. 
people are making decisions on identity. So your personality and, and your story and how your story reinforces who they, who your audience believes they are, right? Like it, if, if I identify with who you are, I'm going to be more pro, like I'm going to be more propense. What's the word? I don't know what the word is, but I'm going to more invested more likely, in what exactly, you're doing, right? In, in hiring you because you represent who I am. So that's why bringing personality into your marketing, into the things that you're doing makes such a big difference. That is something that I have absolutely discovered and can confirm as I've built this podcast, you know, because I approached it initially as like, I want to be like just spitting facts and like regurgitating all of the stuff that, you know, people like Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey and all these like super high profile people in the personal finance space have been saying but I had to come back and realize, like, the reason why I started this podcast is because I didn't hear anybody like me talking about this mm-hmm. in my experience and my unique situation. And once I started doing that, things have taken off in a way that I could not have even imagined. Absolutely. It really makes a, a big difference. And one of the things that happened to me is that I have, till to this day, I have two Instagram accounts, right? My personal one and my business one. And, um, which is Fabi Paolini, by the way, just putting it out there. Perfect. (laughs) And what happened is that, so I have the personal one private because since my husband is a public figure in Venezuela, I wanted to keep, you know, my personal life a little bit more private. So, uh, but I had a coach that I was working with who was a friend of mine. So she had me on both. And what she would say is, Fabi, when I see you doing stories, in your personal account and then i look at your other account it just feels like they're two different people like it's it's completely a mismatch between these two women and Mm -hmm. you need to be the same everywhere you just need to the more you that you are the more you're going to connect so what happened is that i was going to be i was going to do a live webinar and this was in the beginning of 2018 and and I had I I've been using webinars for a long time as part of my marketing strategy and I was doing a live webinar and, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm just screw it. I'm going to be myself as much as I possibly can in this version. And this was like the Monday before I made the decision of kind of redoing the whole script and changing everything, changing the slides. I, I brought music into it and I laughed at myself and I was like, I'm not going to care about if I say the perfect thing. I'm just going to be me. And it was insane the amount of results that I got from it. So it kind of just made me realize, okay, I just need to be myself more and show up as myself and talk like I talk. And because I I was, and again, it goes back to this kind of vision of what's professional, what we Mm -hmm. believe is professional. Oh, I have to act a certain way. I need to make sure that I'm saying the right thing. And what I realize and what I tell my clients today is that it doesn't even matter what you're saying sometimes. What matters is really your energy behind it, your personality, your style, because that's what people remember. They're gonna, re- not, they're not gonna remember the words. They're gonna just remember like, oh, I love listening to Fabi because she's just really cool, or that she's funny, or whatever. Um, and that's what really matters. So that's absolutely what makes a difference. Yeah, it's that authenticity. That's what people are craving nowadays. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your, the lessons that you've learned along the way in your entrepreneurship journey. Can you share some of those? Absolutely. So what I think is really important is, first of all, mindset is fundamental. And I didn't understand. And I had, to be honest with you, I didn't, I feel like I was living in la la land before (laughs) in Venezuela. Like I didn't, 
I was like not worried about a thing and life was normal. And now that I think of it, probably a bit boring, not completely because, you know, since my husband was in the music industry, it was always fun and interesting, but at least on my end. So mm-hmm. then I came here and all this craziness happened, which is kind of going back to where we we're talking at the beginning, where the kind of a little bit more negative relationship to money started because now it was all dependent on me. So it was, it was difficult. It was tough. Um, so mindset became really important. And for me, mindset is about letting go of those, of those fears that inevitably top, like pop up, right? You know, if we're worried about how much income we're going to make or what's going to happen in three months or four months or, or where am I going to clients or are they going to come in or what's so if, and, and these things are things that pop up, even if they're not real. So for me, one of the most important lessons that I try to implement all the time is something that I, the way that I call it is going back to truth, because I think that what happens is that our emotions and our story, like we, beca- we create these stories in our brain about our lives and we believe them they're a reality we're putting these movies that are real and these like drama stories of all these horrible things are happening so what for me what i mean when i say coming back to truth is like okay let me like remove the emotions i have a friend that says bring the data not the drama right Mm. like remove the drama for a minute and let's sit down and write the truth what's the truth what's happened in your business in the last year or the last four years and where are you and what's going on and where are you going and it's about staying focused because it's so easy going down a rabbit hole and listening to these stories in your brain and being oh my god poor me or being like a <laughs> victim uh that is not real so i think that mindset is fundamental And before I used to practice it more daily in the sense of like, I would journal every day and I would try to meditate every day. Now I've let go of the obsession because I do think that it can become obsessed. Like you can become obsessive and it defeats the purpose. But what I do is I just, I'm very mindful of the way that I feel. And Mm. I feel like something is off today or something isn't right and, and, and I can't necessarily pinpoint it. I try to face it head on and be like, okay, what is going on? What, how, why am I, what's, what's going on? How am I feeling? And, um, and I try to shift it as fast as I possibly can, whether it's through music or going outside or, or doing something that makes me shift my energy and get, stay back on track or even writing down, like going back to truth. Like I said, writing down, okay, what's the truth? This, this, this. Okay. Okay, good. Everything's good. So mindset for me is crucial for building success, for sure. I would say that that's probably the number one priority. <laughs> I would agree with you. I feel like entrepreneurship is a constant battle with imposter syndrome, yeah. especially if you have never you know, had a business or if you don't know anybody who's running a business, like it can just always feel like, who the hell am I to be telling people anything? Like, exactly. I don't know anything. Who am I to be asking for money? And it's just a constant battle that you have to have with yourself to believe that A, you do have the skills, B, you do deserve the money. And so you just got to like face yourself and your fears all the time. Absolutely. And the other thing, speaking of that, is making sure that you have a healthy relationship with money, which means getting uncomfortable as much as you possibly can with it. And what I mean is in the past, especially in the first few years, 
I would completely ignore it. Like I, I became so obsessed with money. It was like a toxic relationship, right? Mm. Of like, okay, how much money am I making? And how much is coming in? And I would do math all day long, like all day long thinking, okay, I have this client that's paying me this and that. Okay, how much do I have to make? And it was like this obsessive thing. But what I started doing is I started getting uncomfortable on purpose. So literally like opening my bank account often and looking at exactly how much money I made, not in my brain, but actually opening the bank account and looking at it, looking at if I had debt, how much debt do I have and what is my plan to pay it off? And like just getting real with it instead of having it be this big monster in your brain, but actually like, okay, let's, let's get real here and believe. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Or not, doing that has been, has been so powerful for me, kind of like just normalizing money in every sense and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and feeling okay with whatever is going on and realizing that, you know, whatever. Like it's just helped me generate more income. Having that comfort and not being in comfort, comfortable, getting comfortable with that in comfort, and whatever you got it. <laughs> you got yes, it. <laughs> absolutely. That is such an important point. I love that. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, other lessons are, I think, realizing that we can't do it all alone. I think is important as well, mm. and I think that you know we're so stubborn and looking back, I've been so stubborn too, especially the beginning of like, Listen, oh, Latinas are the worst oh at asking God. for help. Like Absolutely. you already know. Absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, even if, even if as, as I invested in my business and did things, cause I'm not afraid of investing, especially if I feel like, okay, I'm doing an investment, but I know that this investment is going to make me money. Like, of course, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Um, but not real, like 
trying to do everything on my own. It has been a good thing on one hand, but on the other hand, I think that it would have been faster. It would have, if, if instead of doing a course, I would have actually hired somebody, for example, to come mm. in and say, you have to fix this, this, and that. Boom. That's it. So looking for help and, and looking for somebody that can help you do these things, I think is really, really important. And I would really recommend that too. Oh my gosh. I am literally the person that you're talking to that needs to do more of that. And I started doing that for the first time after owning a business for like seven years by hiring an assistant, because I just got to the point where I'm like, I cannot function. Like I cannot do anything else. I have too much going on. And there's like this sense of like losing control when you hire people to do things that I think, especially like type A people just can't handle. Um, but it, I mean, it has been the best thing for me, for my well-being, for my work-life balance. It's just, it's okay to ask for help. Exactly. Well, I, I'm good at asking for help at certain things right now. There's other things where I'm not good at at all. Yeah. A part of delegation and it's, and I want to delegate, but I still have a hard time with it. (laughs) But I do realize, for example, that I can't be the bottleneck for my business. Um, And if I'm doing it all. I won't, I won't keep on growing. So literally I'm right now in a moment where I'm hiring a team and and getting a whole bunch of people here to support me in different ways because I realize like I need more time to be creative and Mm. be sticking with my zone of genius. So what I had a coach who, one of the things that they made us do is like write down everything that you do every single day and put a price tag to it. Like, is it a $10 task? Is it a $100 task? Is it a $1,000 task? And basically anything under a 1000 are things that you have to delegate. Mm, <laughs> I love that advice. That's fantastic. I love it too. So, yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the grind culture. Mm-hmm. You know, that is something that I think is very uniquely American um, because I, I travel all over the world and I just feel like, yo, Americans like don't know how to relax. Like, why are we like this? Oh, sure. So I'm curious what your relationship was like with the grind culture. What are your thoughts on it? Well, it's changed over time. For okay. sure in the first couple of years um, since living in the U.S., it was all hustle, right? And mm-hmm. and I feel like I was very much in survival mode because I was brand new. I had just come in. I had this baby. Venezuela was like burning down and we needed to figure out something to do. So it was like all work all the time. And I would I was the person who would like get like lock myself in the bathroom or in the closet <laughs> to read my emails during the weekend <laughs> and not sign out of Facebook. Facebook for me is 100% work related. Yeah. That's what I do on Facebook. So I would I spend on all day on Facebook and I would be like oh checking things and nonstop. And over time I realized that it was leading me to burnout and I needed mm. to be I needed to listen to myself and what I've learned as well is that the more relaxed I am, the more money I make. Like if I'm obsessing about my business, you can bet that that's affected in my bank account. Like it's going to be negative mm-hmm. um, or more negative than usual. So anyways, um, so how I've changed it is that I've kind of made it a rule of at the end of the day, sign out of my email, sign out of Facebook. Definitely over the weekends, I, I don't work at all. And, and I'm pretty good at completely relaxing during the weekend. But during the week, I definitely work hard. Um, 
you know, I, I get up late. I don't get up super early and I can have a little bit more control of my schedule, but I really just love working. I'm like a mm-hmm. workaholic. I just love what I do. So I try to stop working earlier ish. I try to start yeah. working at four or five, but it depends on the day. There's days when I, I might be working at six or seven. Um, so yeah, there's kind of a balance there. But fortunately, I feel like since I work from home and I have my daughters walk in all the time and it's at least I feel like there's a little bit of balance. So mm-hmm. it is tough sometimes though to turn your work brain off. Like sometimes it's like 11 o'clock at night and I'm turning around to my husband and be like, hey, you know what? We should do this or we should try that. And he's always the person that gets me in check. Like, Fabi, it's 11. Come on. <laughs> I got this tomorrow. Drop yeah. it. So it's a process, but in terms of like the, like the crazy grind of like being on all the time and let me, I have to do everything to get clients and all that stuff. Fortunately, I'm not in that phase anymore because I have everything so automated. I generate leads every single day. People come into my business and book sales calls with us literally every single day and it's all automated and I'm not the one that's taking sales calls. I have a team that does that. So I don't have to be on social media posting or anything like, in fact, like I haven't posted on Instagram in like a month or something like that. So I'm not the best at that, but I am good at generating leads anyway. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's good. I love that. So for somebody who has so much on their plate, it's important to balance your life and your work. And so I'm curious, what kind of self-care practices have you put into place to keep you in a good space so that you can take your business to the, the next level? So I, I, there's a few things that I do. Working out for sure has, it's a medicine for me. I feel like it's literally, I'm taking a pill <laughs> mm-hmm. because if I'm stressed out or I'm tired or whatever, it's, it just relaxes me immediately. And I usually, I used to work out early in the morning, but now what I do is I work after I finish my work day. And the reason why that helps me is that it helps me shut my work brain off a little bit. So um, I work out every single day. And that is super, super helpful. Uh, another thing that I do is like I have my my guilty pleasures. <laughs> I, and, and one of them is listening to the Paris Hilton podcast. So oh, wow. getting <laughs> gossip stuff. And it's super dumb and basic, you know. But it's so relaxing to think, not have to think about anything for a minute. <laughs> yes. So it's kind of funny and random, but um, but yeah, that's one of the things I do. Like I I I listen to his podcast and I listen to another comedy one. So I I like to listen to things and I like I follow a lot of podcasts, but I try to only listen to ones that really literally make my me make me break my brain completely from work. Yeah. I do love listening to work-related ones as well. But anyways, um, so doing that, and then I just literally relax a lot on the weekend. Like I think I probably spend usually all Saturday in my pajamas at home <laughs> with my girls and just playing and listening to music and relaxing. So that's what I would say is my self-care. <laughs> that's great. I love that. So I definitely indulge in like trash reality TV. That is my sure. self-care for sure. But I don't watch that much TV. I mean, okay. we watch at night right before we're, we're, we go to sleep and like binge watch Netflix stuff or whatever. Yes. Um, but that's pretty much it. I don't watch that. <laughs> I don't have time for it. Yeah, no, it does. It doesn't sound like you do. So I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm curious, what are some struggles that you faced as specifically as a woman of color, a Latina in your entrepreneurship journey? 
Well, I think that, you know, most, I, I've, I, I don't think that it's more so as being a Latina. It's about just learning the language of building an online business, right? It's like yeah. a whole culture um, that at first, there's always going to be a learning curve, right? So at first I needed to figure out what this world was going to be like or, or how, because again, I had a business back in Venezuela, but it wasn't really online. I mean, I used to build websites for people, but they were pretty websites, not really websites that were set up for conversions. Uh, I didn't know anything about that. So, you know, when I came here and I had to learn this whole language and world and all of this, it was just very new to me. Um, getting used to people talking about money openly, for example, and me learning to do it. And it was like, there was just a lot of change. And I think that that for sure is something that affected me. But I think that fortunately, at least in my own personal experience, being a Latina has actually helped me in my mm. business because of what I was saying before, right? Like I bring my personality so much into what I do. And it's not that I'm bilingual in my, in my messaging or anything like that, but, um, but I have some sort of accent, at least a little bit. <laughs> and, I don't hear it. <laughs> uh, I always kid around like, what are you talking about? I don't have an accent, but obviously I do. Um, so I, I try to bring a lot of that personality. And what that does is that it helps me attract really amazing people too. So yeah. I have a very diverse audience. My clients are super diverse and super interesting. And, you know, um, so, yeah, I think that if anything has actually helped me, I don't think that it has hindered me or held me back being a Latina. So I'm very. That's fantastic. Yeah, for sure. So I think uh, one of the things that a lot of us tend to face is like this feeling of being worthy of financial independence or success. Um, so have you ever dealt with that? personally? Yeah, for sure. So in that sense, what happened is that at first, you know, everything up until when we moved here was my husband was in the spotlight, right? And the way that I grew up, and most of us, I think, and I don't even think only as Latinas, I think that this is a very much a global thing in general, at least. For women. Um, it's women are the moms and the wives and the ones that take care of the home, right? Mm -hmm. And even when I had women like in my family or, or parents, friends that worked, it was always like the man is a superstar. It's all about his business or his career. And hers is like this afterthought, like, oh yeah, mm. he works so that she can support a little bit. But it was never about the woman. So when we came here and I literally felt like the spotlight changed, and from being all about my husband and his career, it was like, okay, Fabi, you're up. Yeah. And it was like, what? Me? Are you, is, are you sure? Are you sure this is right? And then starting to generate income, at first, there was definitely a mental game of me like, okay, is this okay? Can I charge more? And, and I moved up pretty quickly in, in raising my prices and going through that. But it was for sure an internal process of like, what? Like, I'm making this amount of money. Is this uh, what, like, it was just really, and, and it's funny because my husband didn't have an issue with it. He was like, wow, amazing. Keep on raising your prices and keep on bringing more. But for me, it was like, is this okay? Like, am I, mm -hmm. is it okay that I'm making this amount of money? Or is it like, it was just a really weird place to be in. Uh, but, you know, again, as I got more of a healthy relationship with money and I, the more that I understood my worth and the more that I saw clients getting results and all of that helps build your confidence. So I, I, I heard somewhere that at first it's, it takes courage, 
right? For you to do things. And then eventually that courage transforms into confidence. So <laughs> yes, I love that. Yeah, for sure. All right. So what advice would you give to someone who wants to start a business, but doesn't know where to start? So I would say the first thing is starting with themselves. Um, and what I mean with that is looking at the things that you already know, like what, what is your experience? What are your, what are your skills? What are the things that you love to do? And it doesn't mean that you need to have a diploma on the wall for it. It doesn't mean that you have to be, uh, like have 25 years of experience in it. You know, I've, I've had clients who are literally just starting out and who will go on to be very successful. I think that one of the most incredible success stories I have from one of my clients is this client who is a poet. And she worked as a poet teaching in universities and doing all these things. But she had done so much personal development for her own self um, because she had been through abuse as a young kid and done all these all these things that happened in her life. And she had been through a lot of therapy that she was like, I need to build a business helping women. And specifically, she works with black women, um, you know, heal their own trauma. So basically, it's OK, how can we bring together poetry and this background that you have in this area with healing. And literally that's what she built. She built a coaching business where it was about healing through poetry and through words and all these different therapies and things. Um, and that's what she did. And she's, she was, when, once she launched her business, she was able to make $30,000 in one month. It was insane. Wow. So it really begins with you understanding, like I say, your secret sauce and turning into salsa, right? Like using those things that what, what, what is my strength? It doesn't matter if you formally studied it or not. But if you have an experience of transformation that you went through, that you know a lot about personally, and you could teach other people how to do the same, this is where you begin. Understanding you, your language, your personality, your style, what you want to bring forward. And then what I usually recommend people is the majority of people say, go out, validate your idea, survey your audience, ask people how much you should price it. And then you build a program or an offer for them. And I, um, I'm always like, are you crazy? You're going to ask people how much to charge? Like everybody's going to say $1. No. And then, so instead what you want to do is you're going to start with you. What do I know how to do? What am I great at? And then you're going to look for the audience that has the problem that you can solve. So okay. it's kind of the other way around. And then you're going to get to understand that problem even deeper so you're starting with you, then you're looking at them, and then you're going to build an offer that brings together the two things, if that makes sense. So it's not about, let me validate my idea. Again, globalized world, world. there is going to be an audience, unless you're selling like how to build a rocket to the moon, which I'm sure <laughs> there's an audience for that too, but it must be a little bit more limited. But mostly if you're offering a service, there is going to be an audience somewhere in the world that needs what you're selling. So it's, okay, let me start with me, what I can do. Let me look for the audience that has that need. Let me understand and meet that audience and really go deep into the problem that they have so that I can learn how to communicate and build my offer in a way that really is more, like we're, it's more tailored to them, but based off of me, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Such good advice. Exactly. And if you are interested in building a rocket to the moon, you should probably go and apply for work at Tesla. Exactly. <laughs> if that's your thing, go for it. <laughs> All right. So I'm curious, what is your money mantra? Could you share it with us? Yeah, actually, I have one and I have it behind me. Unfortunately, you can't see it, but it's proceed as if success is inevitable. Ah, <laughs> like, I love that. Success is inevitable. Success is inevitable. Um and money always flows to me is another one. But usually it's success is inevitable. That's my money mantra. Like 
it's it's done it's mine it's here <laughs> well it's it's true though like if you just have a clear goal and you just continue to focus on it at some point you will be successful i truly do believe oh, that it's just a matter of time i think that like the secret to success is not quitting until you're successful period yes like that's it and 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 i always use the the story of my own webinar i told like i told you a moment ago it took me 11 versions of me doing a webinar over two years before I got results from it. So mm -hmm. if I would have quit on version number three, I would like, I don't know where I would be because after the 11 versions, I've made over a million dollars in my business. So Hello. yeah, you know, it, but, it, but it was my, I, I warned you, I'm extremely determined, right? Um, mm -hmm. My determination and being like, no, I feel like there's something here. And I want to, I, I, I know that I will get it right and I'll tweak as many times as I need to tweak and I'll do it again and I'll do it again and I'll do it again until I got it to work. So yeah, it's really about staying focused and being like, I'm just going to make this work, period. <laughs> That's it. There is no option to fail. You exactly. have to decide that upfront. Exactly. Absolutely. So yeah, I love that so much. Okay. So is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you'd like to share? Um, yeah, there's something that I would like to share that I think is important and it's related to charging what you're worth. Mm. And, and I, this is probably one of the topics that I talk about with my clients the most. And it's interesting because I've launched my programs in Spanish and in English and most of my clients are English speaking, but I've had a few clients are, that are Latinos and I, what I've noticed is that this is the place where people like Latinos struggle with the most. Hundred percent. Yes. Like when people go through my program in Spanish, the number one thing that they are like, "Oh my god, I can't believe it!" is learning how to charge their worth. And you know, I think that what changes that is you understanding your value. And one of the things that I love showing to people all the time is if you go to Tiffany's.com, the jewelry store, there's you can buy literally a paperclip, like a two point five inch paperclip. Google it if you guys don't believe me, for $1,500, oh a paperclip. So I'm always like, if there's somebody out there buying a $1,500 paperclip and you here are changing, like offering financing advice or coaching to help people, you know, generate more income or transform their health or their careers, and you're afraid to charge $1,000, you're an idiot. Mm. <laughs> you know, like you need to understand the value that you're delivering. It's not about how many followers you have. It's not about how many, how much experience you have or whether you're a celebrity or an influencer. Like that's not what people care about. What's important is the value of the result that you deliver. What is the value of the result worth, right? And if what you're doing is something that is really powerful and you're helping people, you need to charge for it, whatever you're worth, like whatever it's worth. Because there, again, going back to what I was, I've, I've said a few times today, we live in a globalized economy and in the globalized world, which means that there is somebody out there that's willing to pay you what you deserve. If somebody's paying fifteen hundred for a paper clip, they're gonna pay fifteen hundred for whatever you're selling. And I'm saying fifteen hundred is a low range. Usually, when I work with my clients, I basically almost force them to charge at least five thousand dollars for their services. I don't force them, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I push them to try to charge more because. When you're offering something of value, you need to charge accordingly to that. So I think that that's really important. And it took it was a process for me 
for sure, raising my prices Absolutely. and owning my worth. But usually what I recommend around that is listening to your gut and following your gut, even if it feels counterintuitive. So I told you that I raised my prices from 500 to 5,000 and I charged 5,000 for a, probably like a year and a half. And then a year and a half in there was, there's so much work involved when I do one-on-one -on -one work with my clients. Like I go super, super in with the work that I do. And there was a moment that I felt like I'm just screwing myself over. And this isn't fair for me especially with clients that are making $30,000, $50,000 a month, and I'm charging $5,000, like it's, it just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So there was something internally that said to me, like, Fabi, you need to charge more. And I was like, I'm changing my price to ten. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. And I had a coach at the time who was like, no, but you need to start at 7,000 and little by little raise it. And I was like, I'm sorry, but no, I need to charge 10,000, period. So what happened is that I changed my prices on my website and that same day I had somebody that booked a call with me. And at the time I was the one that, book, that was doing sales calls. So I had literally just raised my prices and I had this call with this woman on Zoom that day and I was internally dying. I was like, oh my God, I have to tell her that's 10,000. She already saw it and I can't bring it down. And when the moment came of me saying how much my price was, her answer was like, really that low? Oh I thought that gosh. it was more because it seems like from what you're offering, you should be charging more than that. So uh, she became That's my amazing. first 10K client the same day I raised my prices. And what happened was so interesting. I got so many clients coming in when I raised my prices to 10K. Within three months, I had already raised it again. And, and I've been raising it consistently since then because, again, tied to the results that my clients get, it just makes sense. So um you listen, you have to listen to your gut around it. Cause you know, I think that I ironically, or I really believe that if I would have raised my prices to seven K, like the coach told me, I would have not gotten clients because there was been, there would have been an internal resistance on my end. Like this is still not fair. Mm -hmm. And if, um, if it's still not fair and I'm all about energy. So, you know, I'm like, if it's not fair for me, I'm going to have resistance against around selling it. So I won't sell it. It needs to feel like the right thing, even if it doesn't make sense to others. So that's Absolutely. my belief. Around price. Yeah. That's, that makes so much sense in my head. And I feel like you need to just go back and think about how much value you place on anything when you pay more money for it. That's like, Absolutely. it just makes so much sense. You know, you're like willing to pay you know, half a million dollars for a house in a nicer neighborhood because you value that. 
Exactly. You you think that a BMW is worth more than a Toyota because of what you pay for it. Exactly. Why wouldn't you treat your business the same way? Absolutely. And there's a saying that is like, um, those who pay, pay attention. And literally, I can't even tell you, like, what's happened since I've raised my prices is that my clients get more results. Because if you're like, I'm investing five figures into my business, you can bet I'm going to do everything this woman tells me to do. And right. um, there was this friend of mine who has um, a program that's $100,000. And he would tell me like, Fabi, just the fact that somebody would hire me, even if I gave them nothing, right? I didn't like, even if I have not given them anything with what they're doing, but the fact that you're investing $100,000 in yourself is enough for you to get results because of the level of belief that you're like, you're investing into yourself so much that you're getting these results. So I mean, I don't charge $100,000 yet, <laughs> yes. not yet, but, um, no, I'm just kidding. But, but, but what happens and what I see with my clients is that is it just changes the level of commitment. Like if I'm investing and it's with everything, right? Like if you're, if you're building a, a, a brick and mortar business, there is investments that you have to make. You have to buy inventory. You have to buy like, you know, the furniture, you have, there's all the employees, all these different things. Building a business takes investing, but why wouldn't you invest if it's somebody who's going to get you results? Like, you know, like the client that I was telling you a moment ago, who's a poet. Yes, she invested with me. But if she's making $30,000 a month, that's like the most obvious and simple investment that you're going to make in the world because it's going to keep on giving you money. So that's my view on investing. And especially with it, when it's higher ticket, what happens is that people take action. They're like, I'm yes. committed. And even with me, I've anytime I've invested higher ticket, it's like, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm getting gonna do every it, drop I'm gonna out of this. Back. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I love your story, Fabi. And so I want people to be able to find out more about you and follow your journey. So where's the best place we can do that? So you can find me everywhere as Fabi Paolini. And you can also go to my website, fabipaolini.com slash go. And I have a video training that walks you through exactly what you need to do to uncover your secret sauce and turn it into salsa and charge high ticket for your, for your online business. Um, and it's like an 18 minute video. It's so good. I just re-recorded it this week. I promise you guys are going to be blown away. Um, so you can, you can get that for free and just Fabi Paolini everywhere. So. Awesome. This has been an amazing conversation. You are such an inspiring mujer and I cannot wait for people to hear this conversation. And if you have been on the fence about starting a business, you need to start listening to what this amazing woman is telling you because she's made it happen for herself. And I have to agree with everything that you say because I have experienced this same journey as an entrepreneur and I can definitely testify that you know what you're talking about. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. And I hope that this is helpful for you guys. And I would um, say, just take a chance on yourself, especially if you have this little fire in your heart that's telling you that that you need to go after more. Do it. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I really love Fabi's story and I hope you did too. I think it's really easy to get caught up in the anxiety and the fear that's associated with trying to do something new or reinvent yourself or make a pivot, whether it's an intentional decision or something that's kind of thrust upon you by life, right? And so I think it's super important that Fabi talks about how she really just had to rely on her gut 
rely on her skills. She had to figure out what it was that she wanted to do in a way that felt authentic to who she was as a person. And she was able to leverage skills that she had already built up over the years of her career to really create and transform her life in a way that now she can take care of not only herself, but her entire family. So I hope that this episode definitely resonates with you. And I hope that it inspires you to do the scary shit because the scary shit more often than not is what gets you to the next level. As a reminder, if you're loving the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast, please make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share. That way, amazing listeners like you can find us too. We want everybody out here being poderosa with their money. And so if they know about us, they can start doing that too. If you don't already follow us on social media, make sure that you follow the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and even TikTok. Yep, we're doing TikToks too. And don't forget to visit the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast blog where you can find episode show notes as well as personal finance articles, news about events, and more. Until next time, guys, stay creative, stay brave, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.